You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Welcome to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And you're listening to Season 6, Episode 7. Yes, we are taking a little break from our regularly scheduled programming to chat together, just the two of us. Just we the two of us. We don't have no any other guests, guests today. on today. And no one yeah. canceled on us. We just thought it'd be fun to, <laughs> you know, hang out and talk. Yeah, we um, still have a lot of the season left, at least three or four episodes, I think. But we are also getting ready to move, so it just seemed easier for the two of us to have a conversation. That's right. We're moving in two weeks or so. Yeah. And so we're kind of going through the last stages of preparation here. And and when we release kind of this, we'll actually be moving in about four days later. <laughs> right. So keep us in mind. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're going from the St. Louis area to Austin, Texas. We're pretty excited about the city and all of what it has to offer. And we've heard a lot of good things. We have some friends who live there already, but most people who have heard that we're going to Austin are really excited for us. So I think that's a good sign. And I went down there house hunting two weeks ago, and it was even two weeks ago, one week ago. Not long ago, pretty recently, because the housing market there moved so quickly, apparently, that the realtor we were working with recommended coming down there like three weeks before we were going to move in to try to find something. But we did. We were able to find something, so we're excited to get down there and get moved in. Yeah, and because we'll be moving in, you probably won't hear for us for about a week before we start up again. Yes. So we'll just take a week off and get settled, and then... We'll be back. The uh, exciting news is there is a closet in the new house that is even smaller than the one we currently <laughs> inhabit for recording. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> so our, uh, I think we'll continue our tradition of recording in a closet, but it will probably get smaller. Well, it will be smaller, but it will probably also get hotter Oh no, that's and right. more cramped. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> so you'll be hearing more about that later. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We'll be complaining about that. So. <laughs> So for now, we wanted to talk about current events and also our own personal current events. Yeah. So which should we, the world's or our own? Uh, let's go big to small. Okay. So world and then our little world. All right. So what do you have for us today? Okay. So yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk about these at length. I just picked a few interesting things that were going on. And by design, I'm avoiding any discussion of Trump because there are so many hot takes out there on the Trump presidency and all of that. Don't want to add our voices to that chorus. Personally, I'd um, rather just pretend that it isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the... I'm thinking that if I just don't read any news about Trump, then maybe he'll just go away. <laughs> <laughs> not, That's my plan. Not a bad approach. And then I won't have wasted any time reading about him because right. he'll have just gone away and he'll just be ancient history. I think that's um, that's more wise than it may <laughs> first appear. Um, so I have this friend... And I'm going to keep this sort of anonymized because of the people involved. But I have a friend who's working on a pretty cool project in, we'll just say, the American Northeast. So like somewhere, you know, in the like Maine to North Carolina corridor, okay? And this friend is working on this cool project, like I said, and contacted a major newspaper, like you would have definitely heard of this newspaper, and said, hey, how about you guys do like a... I don't think he said puff piece, but he said, like, you know, how about you guys do, like, a profile of this project that I'm working on? And the reporter at this major newspaper 
uh, wrote back and said, wow, this looks really interesting. Looks like a great initiative. I would love to write about it. But right now, our editorial directive is basically to uh, make everything about Trump. And this doesn't have to do with Trump. Wow. So that's kind of the... And I mean, that's pretty self-evident too when you just like turn on a TV or look at a oh, newspaper, yeah. everything is about Trump. Yeah. So by design, none of these four things that we're going to talk about are about Trump. <laughs> okay. And really, these are not, I don't know, they're kind of fun, but they're not, <laughs> these are not life-changing topics right, by any means. Right. Okay. The first one I have, our listeners know that I'm a big baseball fan. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series for the first time in a very long time last year. They, they broke the curse of the GOAT. And this year, they have, in the words of 538, which is ESPN's sports analytics site, one of the worst championship hangovers ever. That's so sad. Yeah, so Do they have cha- the same players as last year? So essentially, that's kind of part of the mystery. Oh, so no. their roster, their core roster is essentially the same. Oh, no. A few pieces here and there, like their high-priced reliever that they used in the World Series last year, Araldis Chapman, uh, is now playing for the Yankees, where he was actually for the first half of last year. Anyway... Bits and pieces here and there, but like the core, the talented core remains the same. But they've been actually really bad. So people, did people think it's a fluke that they won last year? Um, no. There's, I've been, I've seen no analysis that says it was a fluke that they won last year. I've, in fact, I think most people think it's a fluke that they're so bad now. Yes, that would be more accurate to say. And people really can't understand why they're so bad now, and it kind of does defy explanation. And some of the really advanced projections for how good the uh, the Cubs will be this year. Still still think the Cubs will finish in the in the lead for their division. But right now they have a losing record. They're 44 wins and 45 losses as of today, Ooh. which is the 15th of July. So that makes them an under 500 team. A 500 team is is one that wins 50% of its games. So oh, okay. 45 wins, 45 losses, it's a 500 team. So they're less than a 500 team. And they're in second place for the division behind the Milwaukee Brewers, who are who are who really no one expected to be as good as they've been, and uh, have been really outperforming their expectations for th- this year. So the Cubs are not doing well relative to expectations, and people thought they'd be in contention for you know a repeat championship, going uh, at least for the NL championship, maybe. And that's not possible the now. Series. Well, it's possible. I mean, anything's possible, but it would just have the to be Cubs have just been really crazy bad. Comeback. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, five thirty eight says they're having one of the worst championship hangovers ever. There's this thing called run differential, which is basically just a measurement of how many runs you've scored relative to your opponents for any given span of time. And so, the Cubs' run differential last year, when they won the World Series, was two hundred fifty two. So, over the course of the season, they scored two hundred fifty two ru- more runs than their opponents. Oh, wow! This year, so far. Through half a season, a full half season, they've only scored twenty five more runs than their opponents. Oh no! Yeah, so they're really they're almost scraping, yeah, even with it with the number of runs they're scoring versus their opponents. Too bad for all the new Cubs fans who jumped all the the bandwagon bandwagon last year, man. And now they are fans of a losing team. But I mean, bandwagon fans—they're not going to be fans of a team that's losing, so they won't—they won't remain. Right, that's what I'm saying. Too bad if they just got on the bandwagon, they'll be like, "Yay, Cubs!" And then as soon as they started to lose, they'll hop off. Yeah. <laughs> so go root for the Yankees or something. Um, so basically, yeah, this is the so the difference between their championship year run differential and this year's run differential is the sixth highest disparity. So there's basically there's a difference of 227 runs in the run differential. So 252 last year, only 25 so far this year. 
And there's only been that's five the, other run differentials that have a greater disparity. Is yeah, that, that means. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. So that's over the course of baseball history, like the last, yeah, the last hundred years. Oh no. So yeah, the Cubs are not doing well. They're just trying to make for being records champions. in the opposite direction. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. They're doing a pretty good job. So we'll see what happens. The Cubs did just acquire a really good pitcher named Jose Quintana. Okay. From the Chicago White Sox, it was a big deal because. Uh, same city trades aren't done very often, generally because there's a rivalry of sorts between teams in the same city, like the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. Um, but the White Sox and the Cubs did this trade. The Cubs gave away one of their top prospects to do it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see who wins the trade. But Jose Quintana will at least bolster the Cubs pitching staff, and they'll probably do better from here on out. All right. So what's up next? Okay, next is teleportation. We've talked about this before a little bit with Will, and uh, Will can correct me if I get any of the science wrong on this, but this is pretty exciting because Chinese scientists say they've successfully teleported a photon particle from the ground to a satellite that was orbiting 870 miles overhead. How we need Will on for this, but how do you measure a photon having been moved? Aren't there things that can be attached to photons that... So you can you can, can, you can basically them? you can basically beam up a photon as a as a beam of light in my understanding. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's pretty complicated. But what what they're relying on is this principle called quantum entanglement, oh, and my. quantum entanglement involves putting two particles into the same state at uh, creation, and then when they're separated, even by distance. Um, Theoretically, by as much as an infinite distance, whenever you change the state of one particle, the other will also change. Oh, because it's like they're it's like they're wedded by some invisible force. Okay. So the idea is um, to entangle two particles and then separate them, like one being on a satellite, for example, in the form of a photon that you'd beam up there, and the other okay. being on the ground, and then you change the state in one. And the state is reflected in the other, so it's not really teleportation. You're yeah, not, I was gonna say you're yeah, not, you're not moving, moving matter. One, you're really okay. moving the state of the matter. Oh, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's not true teleportation in like the Star Trek sense. Yeah. But it's still being able darn to control cool. some something from right. far away. Right. And this is by far the longest distance they've ever been ever been able to do this. Uh, Previously, I think the distance was like 120 kilometers, and that's because of essentially attenuation in the fiber optic cable. When you tried to send a photon far enough away, it would eventually just get reabsorbed oh. and then disappear. Okay. But there's less attenuation when you do it in space. So you can beam a photon up to a satellite, for example, and still have that that uh, state of matter preserved and entangled with something on the ground. Wow. And that's what they say they've been able to do. That's pretty cool crazy as far as like where the science goes from here i don't i don't know the answer yeah to that, but i yeah. just thought it was a cool little story that is cool yeah all right number three number three the iphone 8 it's supposed to be announced in september based on what i've been reading but it's already kind of in trouble there are several reports that the fingerprint scanner is not going to be done on time oh no or at least running into technical difficulties so does the iphone 7 have a fingerprint scanner it does yeah i think so everything's starting it? with the 5s I think, had a fingerprint scanner. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're improving it. The idea is actually what analysts are saying, and, of course, Apple's not confirmed this because they're very secretive about their product development, but the idea is that the fingerprint scanner would be embedded as part of the screen. So you'd have basically like the whole front of the phone potentially would be a screen, and then what's normally the the bezel button and fingerprint like scanner would be – Yeah, exactly, would be 
part of the screen, and so you just put your thumb there oh. to navigate and to use a fingerprint scanner. Okay. But they're having trouble incorporating the fingerprint scanner into the screen. Oh, no. So technical difficulties there. And those technical difficulties could potentially lead the iPhone to be delayed by three to four weeks. Oh, So okay. it might be announced in September, but for pre-order in, like, you know, October or November or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that'd be kind of a big deal if that happens. And I just kind of wonder... I wonder how Apple's going to keep doing well because it seems like they're falling farther behind other flagship Android phones oh, really? like the Google Pixel. Okay. In terms of what they're able to offer at a certain price point. And the Pixel has universally been regarded as having a better camera. Okay. It's had better storage. It's had as good or better in screen quality. So their rate of life. improvement is slowing. Yes, definitely. I think their rate of improvement has slowed dramatically over the past few years, and it seems like it's falling behind now its competitors. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sure how much longer Apple can stay in the lead. But there's probably a lot of people who just buy Apple products because it's Apple, right? Yeah, almost certainly. I mean, you and I have talked about that. When when I've thought about going to Android or we've talked about just saving money and getting cheap Android phones, it's so hard to leave Apple when you have a MacBook and right. you use iMessages, when you... Uh, use iMessages with each other when you're in group text and all your friends have iMessage. Right. So is it possible that they could fall behind kind of artistically and technologically, but not from a market standpoint? I mean, yeah, that's definitely possible. I think that's part of the strategy is to yeah. make the Apple ecosystem so locked in. Yeah. You know, that's why there's a big push for you to put everything on iCloud. I don't use iCloud at all, but I imagine some people do. They have yeah. all their photos on there. They have, all you know, iCloud um, password keychain and Yeah, my phone is constantly stuff. reminding me to upload Exactly. To and save they want they want you to because then it locks you in. For the yeah. same reason that Google says, you know, use Google Photos and have all your photos be on right. there. The difference right. is... I can have Google Photos like I do on right. my iPhone, but right. I can't have iCloud on my Android. Right, so, right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, last one. Last one, yeah. So I didn't realize this, and this is actually kind of a sad story, but uh, recognizing a cool guy who is doing something valuable and helpful for wildlife, there are a lot of whales that get caught in fishing apparatuses. Apparatuses? Hmm. Is that? Or apparati? And what's the plural apparatus? of apparatus? would make more sense to me, but I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I have heard of that, but I didn't know it was that common. Yeah. So whales get caught in these things, apparently relatively frequently. And so okay. there are organizations that are dedicated to freeing these whales. Wow. One of these was stationed in Maine. They had a little outpost there, and it was led by a guy named Joe Howlett, or at least Joe Howlett was one of the senior people involved in this. And there was a whale that got caught uh, off the coast of Maine. And Joe Howlett was one of the uh, men who was trying to rescue this whale, uh, you know, snip the fishing nets um, and free it. And this was his job or his volunteer I don't, job? I get the impression this was a volunteer thing. I don't know. Um, I think it'd pretty be tough to, you know, just Make collect, a living doing yeah, that. collect donations enough to yeah. give you a living doing this. But at the very least, he was volunteering doing this, which in, in a lot of ways makes it more noble. Um and he freed this whale, but I guess somehow got struck by the whale as the whale was departing, and he actually died doing oh, this. Oh, no. Um, wow. So, yeah, this is the first time, to my knowledge and in the knowledge of the articles I'm reading, that a, that a whale has killed someone, has killed someone like wow. this. Yeah, just by accidentally hitting him? Yeah, apparently. That's wow. what it looks like. So That's very sad. Again, really sad, um, Joe Hallett, but obviously an important job that he was doing. And so Dangerous. It's, Dangerous, yeah. Didn't even realize un, that. Un, surprisingly dangerous. Yeah. You wouldn't think that normally. But apparently this is actually 
caused the NOAA Fisheries Office to stop these rescue operations oh. just because of this, I guess, unanticipated danger that's now been realized through Joe's death. So wow. our condolences to his family um, and just, yeah, use this to raise awareness of an important problem. Yeah, that's great. So, interesting. But yeah, there's the four articles, pretty interesting things, and now we can move on to our lives. All right, so I have a list of about eight questions that eight I thought questions. That we could answer. Wow. Yes. And it doesn't have to be a long answer. In fact, most of them I think will be very brief answers. Sounds good. So, to start off, what are we reading? What are we reading? Oh, man. Oh, what am I reading? I'm just kidding. Uh, so I just picked up The Martian oh, by nice. Andy Weir. Yes. So seen the movie several times. I love it. It's in one of my top 10 favorite. Uh, I have a huge fascination for space travel. Love the idea of going to Mars one day. So I'm going to love a story that's set on Mars and it's sort of a science survival so, so Robinson far, Crusoe type of... The book is better or worse? So I'm about 10% into the book, so okay. I can't really make a definitive judgment, but sure. I would say better. Okay. I mean, so the, the movie for science lovers gives you a, a teaser, I think, but it's too fast. Everything happens too fast to really understand what's going on. Sure. And in the book, he's actually really good at explaining the science behind wow. what he does. So how does he make water? How does he use hydrazine to make water? Um, explains that. How is he exactly using feces to grow potatoes in the pressurized hab, um, that kind of stuff. So really you get to cool. see the processes more than just the results. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. So that's really neat. Cool. And there's a – so in the movie, if you've seen it, there's a lot of sequences where Matt Damon's character um, talks to the camera and does these like video logs. And that comes through in the book, but they're not actually video. They're they're written logs. So for the first part of the book, you're reading all, all autobiographical stuff by – the character who's stuck on Mars, and you're, you're reading it's his like journal, an essentially. Journal. Yep, okay, exactly. Oh, neat. So it's really good. So I'm reading that. Uh, been reading my guilty pleasure John Grisham novels. Uh, just finished A Time to Kill, which is is probably his most famous one. Uh, and then I'm also reading uh, a a long article in the New Yorker. I'm about halfway through it by Lawrence Wright, and it is about the state of Texas. But Lawrence Wright is a Pulitzer Prize winning author who's written some really good books, which I've read. And I appreciate his writing a lot. And so I've been appreciating his take on Texas. He's from Austin. He's lived there for, uh, I don't know if his whole life, but at least a very oh, okay. long time. That's so cool. he has a good perspective on sort of what's going on in the state as far as demographic trends, political history, um, all kinds of things. So he he basically, I, I think, is making the assessment. The, the subtitle indicates, and I haven't read through the conclusion, but the subtitle indicates he's saying that Texas is sort of the bellwether of America. Um, and is a useful indicator of where America is going culturally, politically, et cetera. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I'll, I'll limit it to that, but that's what I'm reading. Nice. How about you? Yeah. So, I could talk on and on about what I'm reading, what I have read, and what I want to read, but I won't. If you want to check that out, you can see more on Instagram because I've been posting some of my library collections and yeah. what I want to read. Yeah, normally if you see something posted about books on the vernacular pod <laughs> page, that's Sally. It's from me. me. Sally yeah. reads more books than I do. Well, I just, I use the library a lot. And yeah. so I end up getting a ton of books to help me make my decision of what to read next. And right now, while I have a big stack, I am currently reading Gathering Blue, which is the second of Lois Lowry's Giver Quartet. I've read The Giver um, a long time ago. And also more recently and I really enjoy it but I didn't realize it was part of a quartet so I love by the way that we use the word quartet to describe a set of four books yeah yeah 
I, not really, I didn't even know I that. <laughs> I haven't heard that before because yeah. I think most people write three book series. Right. Or they go more like Harry Potter and right. do like seven or whatever it is. Yeah, Eight, so this is know. called The Giver Quartet. Yeah, Quartet. It's kind of cool. Yeah, so I'm reading that one. It's technically young adult fiction, but um, yeah, I really like it. And I am also reading by Lawrence Wright, The Looming Tower, which you have read, so you could probably explain it better. But it's basically telling us the beginnings of, of Jihad of and Osama bin Laden and yeah. Al Qaeda. Yeah, so like taking how... us through 9/11. Yep. Okay, because I'm only about. Mm, I don't even know if I'm quite 100 pages in. Yeah, so, I mean, I th- correct me if I'm wrong, I think the book opens with Syed Qutb, yes. who is sort yep. of the intellectual forefather of Which was the 40s. Al-Qaeda. Yep, yeah. 1940s. And he actually studied at UNC Greeley yes. in Colorado. Yes, they talked all about his experience in Colorado. Yeah. So, uh, so Wright talks about him. He was an Egyptian dissident, ended up sort of being the architect of the modern Al-Qaeda movement from prison in Egypt in the 50s. Yeah. 40s and 50s. And... Uh, from there, he kind of just takes off and yeah, uh, talks all about the Bin Laden family and how it eventually led to uh, to 9-11. So really, really good book. It's really well written. Yeah. And just, yeah, very interesting. I mean, he writes it like a story. There's a lot of narrative elements to it. So I don't feel – I mean, unless you like reading a history textbook, I don't feel like I'm reading a history textbook. And if this book sounds uh, good to you, uh, Lawrence Wright has several others, and he's written a lot on the Middle East specifically. But he has a brand-new book that came out in October or November of last year, and it is about uh, radical uh, Islam uh, – And ISIS, let's see. Right? Yeah, the terror years. Here we go. The terror years from al-Qaeda to the Islamic State. So, yeah, sort of that – overarching history because al-qaeda and isis of course are very different organizations with their different goals too and i presume i haven't read it but i presume he sort of breaks down that and explains the differences too so that's on my reading list and the looming tower was a pulitzer prize winner i don't know if we mentioned that but yes or let's see was that the Pulitzer? i know he's won the pulitzer was that one of the pulitzer he's a pulitzer prize winning author I just know it says Pulitzer Prize somewhere on the cover, and I don't have it in front of nope, me. Nope, you're right. That. Oh, okay, good. So, yeah, The Looming Tower won the Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction in I can 2007. See why. Yeah. It's really good. Really good. So, I definitely recommend The Looming Tower. All right. So, that's what we're reading. What are we watching? Uh, what are we watching? So, we have tried to watch some John Grisham. We have, yep. We tried The Firm. We yep. did not finish it because it was straying too far from. We the got book. about twenty minutes from the end, and it was just not. We what just happened we knew it was going to happen, so. but it was also different than the book, and, and it was less done. satisfying than yeah. the book. Yeah, so we stopped, and then we started watching A Time to Kill, and we also kind of. Well, we were attracted to that one. It was uh, made in nineteen ninety six, but it had Samuel and Jackson, Sandra Bullock, and Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah. And so we started that. I don't know if we'll return. So to kind it. of a star studded ta- star studded cast, but it was moving very slowly and it felt overacted i don't know it just wasn't wasn't grabbing us so yeah, we stopped we moved on we actually moved on to sherlock which right. is anything but slow yeah <laughs> and anything but boring it's super right. intense we have not seen the most recent series because in england they call it series right Correct. instead yep. of seasons and i think that came out earlier this year so maybe Sounds we're not right. too far behind hopefully not but it's series four <laughs> and so far it's really really well done it's great. That show's always been kind of strange. Yes, yeah, and it's, creepy. It's unlike any other show I've seen. Yeah. I was a little creeped out by it after what we watched last night, but uh, Martin Freeman got a new hairdo, and that looks pretty stellar on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he uh, grew it out. Yeah, and grayed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think he was that <laughs> gray earlier. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of silver looking. Yeah. 
So anyways, but I guess Benedict I would recommend is... it. It's, it's very well done. I don't know how it ends, but... I don't know. We'll see. We're yeah. like, we made it through half of the first, yeah. the first installment <laughs> of Series 4. So that's what we're watching. And then what are we listening to? And this, we also have a joint listen, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. We, I'll let you talk about the joint listen. I'll just talk about what I'm listening to uh, that you're not listening to. Okay. And that's, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this stuff before, but I like baseball a lot. So two baseball podcasts that I love. One is called Effectively Wild. And this is if you like statistics because they deep dive on baseball stats. It's called Sabermetrics because there's a word that is used to describe specifically, exclusively baseball statistics, Sabermetrics. So it's a Sabermetrics podcast. It's released about three times a week, so there's always new material. And then there's another podcast called The Ringer uh, MLB Show, which is done by The Ringer, Bill Simmons' uh, uh, new outfit when he left ESPN. And that is done on a once to twice a week basis. Also very interesting. Uh, one of the guys, there's one of the guys who is on both shows, uh, Ben Lindbergh. He's one of my favorite baseball writers. So I've listened to a lot of those and will continue to listen to those. Nice. Yeah. So this, the one that I'm going to mention that we both listen to now, we've mentioned Gimlet Media before um, because a couple years ago they did, maybe even longer ago, they did a show called Startup. And we've recommended that. It was fascinating, very well done. They've gone on to create a ton of podcasts because it's a whole podcast network. And one of their most recent ones, which was released last fall, is called The Homecoming. And Zach actually just found this on iTunes the other week. Yeah. And it's not very long. Um, it's just one season so far. And both of us finished listening to it just this week, And which when this, re- when this episode releases will have been a couple weeks ago. And on July 19th, which will again be old news in the past. by the time we release this episode. <laughs> July 19th starts the second season. So right now we are waiting for the second season to come out because it was such an exciting first season. Basically, it's this story of war veterans right, who have returning. come home from America and, to America and they are recovering right. and they're a part of this experimental program. Right. And I don't want to say too yeah, much. Yeah, I was going to say how I much are we really, going to spoil. Yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say. So, yeah, the program's called Homecoming, like Sally said. Yeah, it's like it's, the Homecoming it's Initiative. It's sort of a mystery. We're not clued into everything that's going on. There's it's, a lot of going back and forth in time. There's no narrator. You're just listening to to discussions. Phone so, calls and discussions. So you're left to kind of put pieces together as you go. And you don't really put all the pieces together until the end. And even then, there's unanswered questions that will hopefully be answered in the second season. One funny thing is that one of the characters is played by Ross from Friends. David Schwimmer. Which you recognize right away and is really funny. You do, and as we've totally discussed... I can totally imagine him being Ross. Yeah. I mean, being... His, the character... I mean, I like Ross in Friends, but yeah. the character in the podcast is kind of a jerk. And it's it's really funny, though, because whenever I hear him, I can't see anybody but Ross, Ross yeah. <laughs> on the phone, you know, yelling, being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. And I just it's think, really Ross, funny. chill out, man. Yeah. And then they also have Katherine Kenner. She plays the main female lead yep. of the show. And Amy Sedaris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's this is the first – I was reading an article about this. First this is the first podcast scripted podcast that Gimlet. has – From Gimlet. But it's really the first scripted podcast that has attracted bona fide – Film or, or, you know, camera celebrities to to it. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. And Inter- they got the same characters to come back. At least the character, at, at least some of them, Kenner yeah. is coming back. Oh, for Kenner is two. coming back? Yeah. Okay. She's, gotcha. They had a little teaser of season two where the show's editor or designer or something talked to her and made sure that she was coming back. I didn't even listen to that was. teaser. So is season two, it's definitely going to be a continuation of yes. the same? Okay. Maybe within like a few days of the end of season wow. one. Yeah. Wow. 
So yeah, we definitely recommend that. Right? Release weekly, at least the first season was. Yes, we were lucky because we started listening to it after they all come out. And so we just listened to it, you know, in one right after the other. Um, And I had to listen to it at the gym because it kind of creeped me out so much that I didn't want to listen to it at at home by myself. So, uh, yeah, it's a little creepy, but totally worth it. So, yeah, The Homecoming. And other than that, I've been I've gone back to messy parenting. I hadn't listened to that in a while, and I'm listening to messy parenting again. Great show nice. for parenting. Yep. And oh, I started listening to Gretchen Rubin's podcast, Happier. Who's Gretchen Rubin? She wrote um, a book called Happier, I think. Okay. And then the book that I read, I think it was about habits, habits of living. Oh yeah, I remember reading your yeah, that. I yeah, I read it last fall, and I read her habits book and really liked it. And so this is a podcast that she does with her sister. And they talk about topics from that. She's the one who comes up with those four personalities, like the rebel, the questioner. I forget what the other oh, two yeah. are. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. totally remember. We talked about that on the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. So she talks about that, too. And then one of the episodes, she actually interviews Susan Cain, the author of Quiet. Yeah. So I haven't listened to that yet, but I'm excited to listen cool. to it. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah, that's Gretchen Rubin's podcast, Happier. All right. So what are we planning right now? Planning for our move to Texas. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I think that is. The next thing on like farther away that we're just sort of talking about but not planning, I think, is our trip to California. Yes, in October. Going in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have mentioned earlier this year that we were going to go in June, but the summer just kind of got too crazy. So we're going to plan first our move, which I think we've pretty much figured out. I think so, yeah. Down to the day by day (laughs) over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then, and then California will be the next planning. Yeah. Should All be right. fun. All right. What are we drinking right now? Oh, always sparkling water. <laughs> a safe answer. Um, I guess I'd have to talk about smoothies too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You definitely should. Yeah. What are you drinking in your smoothie? So, uh, drinking algae actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we like to do. So we, whenever we, whenever we can go to the gym in the morning, we like to do a smoothie after that. Um, it's just such a satisfying breakfast yeah. for some reason. Yeah, and it's healthy. And it's fast. Yeah, healthy, fast. So you throw some milk, yogurt, like Greek yogurt, you know, full of healthy protein and probiotics. Um, and then fruit in there, lots of frozen fruits, strawberries, blueberries, banana, mango, flax, pineapple, chia. We whatever. We have like a whole bunch of stuff in our freezer yeah, that we can just seed, pull from. Yeah, flax seeds, chia seeds. Uh, mint leaves are a really nice addition that I only recently tried on Sally's recommendation. And then we have our th- favorite protein powders. Yeah, so like about workout, post workout protein powders. And then uh, we just we just got a, a thing of ethically sourced um, and I guess responsibly sourced. Yeah, responsibly sourced is the main thing. Healthfully sourced. It's yeah, not. It's not, not from uh, not from irradiated waters of China. Um, yeah. So algae, I read this spirulina. article on Verily, and it was they have this great series cutting through the hype, and one of them was cutting through the hype on the mermaid. Uh, you know, mermaid algae right. that people are using, mainly Corella and spirulina. I didn't know it was called mermaid algae. I haven't read this article, so. Yeah, people just use it to, you know, make their okay. food look like mermaid colors. Gotcha. So we read it, and I told Zach about it, and they basically gave it a thumbs up, nutrition-wise. And so yeah. we're like, okay, let's just try it. Why not? Yeah, the stats are amazing. It's like a teaspoon of this stuff has the same... Uh, like antioxidant beta carotene values is like seven servings of vegetables. Yeah, and there's even protein in it. The catch is that you don't actually want to use that much of it. <laughs> right, because it tastes like fish food. Yes, it smells like fish food, and if you put too much, it tastes like fish it food. Overwhelms your smoothie. Yes, 
The other catch is, though, I made the joke about irradiated waters. With the other catch is that you have to make sure you're getting good stuff. Yeah. Because because it's dark algae, it absorbs whatever is in the water that it grows in. So if it's grown in a controlled, monitored farm, like ours at least claims to be, <laughs> then it's okay. If it grows in the ocean, you don't know what you're getting when you're actually ingesting this stuff. So Yeah, so Verily gave a couple options in terms of producers that they recommended. And then right. we just found one on Amazon that claimed to be okay. So we we just believed Amazon. <laughs> and now we're eating it. <laughs> Here we are. So yeah, but uh, I think that's... Oh, my favorite smoothie, at least one of my favorites, is to combine coconut flakes and pineapple. Mm, always a winner. Um, so it's a you know a pina colada yeah, smoothie. Nice. Really, really like that. But so yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Yeah. So besides spirulina, I am trying to drink a lot of water. Uh, just in the past couple weeks, I have felt convicted over my water usage. Convicted, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morally convicted yeah. over how much As though water it's a moral thing. Drinking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just realized I should probably be drinking more water. I used to drink more water, and now I feel like it's just kind of a last thought in my mind. Right. And that's not good, especially because I'm breastfeeding. And so I was just like, I need to be drinking more water. And it's so hot yeah. outside, and I just find myself being kind of dehydrated and not really doing anything about it. So I've been trying to be really, really diligent about drinking water just regular water it's because good. i find that if i drink too much sparkling water then i kind of lose the taste for regular water so i've been trying to just drink drink just, just drink regular water yeah and and then once i do that if i get in the number of bottles of water that i have set for myself then as you a goal, have a sparkling water then i get a sparkling water that's your reward yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like it Okay. Yeah, I mean, water's good for you. That's why when we had Fitbits, there was that part of the app where you you could log your water intake. Even when sure we were you're... using Fitbits before we got rid of them, I never even used that, though. Right. That's the yeah. problem. I, like, I think I've I tried really for, bad. I think I tried for a day, and I was like, no, I'm not going to log gonna track it every time water. I drink water. Yeah. This, is, so, this is not helpful. So I'm not tracking it in that sense. I'm just tracking it in my mind. I'm just right. thinking, okay, by this time of the day, I want to have had this many bottles yeah, of water. that makes sense. Okay, what are we eating? What are we eating? We just had some great pizza. Yeah, we had a great date night. Yeah, so this week. we went to a place called Pie Pizzeria in St. Louis. P I, like the numerical uh, symbol. Symbol, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Pie. And, it was uh, our last date night in St. Louis. We wanted it to be kind of a classically St. Louis date. Yeah, so there were two chef specials, and you can split a pizza half and half. So we did that. We got one pizza, and we split it down the middle, and got the. Um, one side was the chicken shawarma. Yeah, it was like Syrian street food, you know, Damascus inspired. pizza. And the other side was Korean uh, bulgogi beef barbecue with pizza. Kimchi with kimchi on kimchi, top. Yeah. yeah. So it really, really unique. It sounded really weird, but it was amazing. It was really good, yeah. And then they recommended it on their whole wheat crust. Which we also got. Which was also great. It kind of had a flatbread-like texture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's what I've been thinking about lately yeah, that as was far great. as food goes. Yeah, I think that that is a good selection okay two more what are we celebrating i have been celebrating i know you have too uh the fact that esther is uh getting out of diapers daytime potty train yep yeah pretty exciting i think it is and safe to say that she has daytime potty train i think so too she yeah. has not had an accident in almost two weeks right and she just does it I, it just clicked for her all of a sudden i can't even take any credit yeah i mean so one of our friends said and this is borne out by our experience, given that we've been trying this, trying to like encourage year. her to go on the potty yeah. for a year. Yeah. If you start at two, you'll end at three. If you start at three, you'll end at three. Now, Esther's not three yet, but the point is, I think just regardless of what you do, 
the kid's going to learn when the kid's going to learn. Yeah, when it just clicks in their mind. Exactly. And we haven't tried those, like, three-day potty training, and I know people, you know, do swear by them as well. Right. But that just hasn't seemed like something that we wanted to do. Sounds aggressive to me, honestly. Yeah, and I'm just not into doing things that's really stressful. Right, yeah. (laughs) So we didn't do that, but eventually she just figured it out, and— and she and more power to her. We're super has, proud. Yeah, super proud. she's proud of herself too, and I think that was a, a big part of it. Yeah. So yeah, we're celebrating that, and then the day that we release this episode, Lucy will be eight months old, and she's crawling now. It's just is so exciting. Awesome. Yeah, and she's yeah. crawling. So we're celebrating that. Yeah. And she's getting better at pincer grasps and all these things that are just more evidence that she's growing up, and it's, yeah, it's hard crazy. to believe. So crazy. So yeah, we're celebrating that. I think we're also kind of celebrating the end of an era as. We move on to a new place and a new job and all that stuff. So lots of changes happening in our lives, but we're really grateful for all of it. All right. And speaking of those changes, what are we looking forward to? Man, I think, oh, man, if I have to pin down one thing, I'm looking forward to, you know, I don't even know. So I was thinking that we are looking forward to California. Yeah. Because I'm definitely looking forward to going to California. I'm also looking forward to just kind of being settled in our new house and just having all the moving and all that stuff out of the way so i just am a person of habits and routines and so i think it'll be nice when we have our routine down again you know whether it's with your work schedule or our day-to-day where we go even just for basic things like where's the library where's the post office where's the grocery store and just having those kinds of routines back in in some semblance of place again yeah those are all really good i was trying to decide between like the food scene in austin which i'm looking forward to or just doing outdoor stuff because i know there's a really good outdoor scene around austin hill country of texas all that i think what i'm probably most looking forward to is being able to do that stuff outside like go on family hikes and stuff in the fall when it gets a little bit cooler because i'm really apprehensive about the heat in texas oh boy And it's just, you just can't take a two and a half year, well, first of all, I don't want to go outside when it's 105 degrees, but you really can't take a two and a half year old and an eight month old out in that kind of weather. So I'm looking forward to it being like mid seventies, low seventies when we can go outside and go on a sunshine filled hike and stuff like that. Yeah. And not be sweating bullets the minute you walk outside. So I think that's what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. That's my answer. All right. Well, I think that is all we want to talk about today. So cool. hopefully you've enjoyed this little different podcast. Yeah. And we'll be, again, back to our regularly scheduled programming probably the week after next week. Yeah, we'll be trying to move in as fast as possible, but just be uh, be gracious, please. <laughs> Don't stop meantime, listening to us, in the but meantime, check out our Patreon page. Yes. At patreon.com slash vernacular. You can support our work there. And... If you give at a certain level, if you give at a 10, no, what is it, $5 a month, I think? Well, there's $1 a month. That's an option. Right, for sure. There's oh, a whole yeah. there's a whole bunch of options. I think $5 a month is where you can. The Frappuccino Club. Yeah, the Frappuccino Club. You get to nominate a podcast topic for us to talk about. That would be fun. So check that out. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, we would always love your support. And at the least, you can contact us on Instagram. Yeah, please do. At Vernacular Pod or on Twitter email. at Vernacular Pod. Twitter is also at Vernacular Pod. Email Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. We'd love to hear what you are reading, what you are drinking and eating and celebrating and planning and all of those things. Yeah, so please reach out and we'll look forward to hearing from you. For Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. Oh,